Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Generic Foiling Podcast. Before we get stuck into this one, if you aren't up to date with all the episodes, make sure you go and check back on some previous ones. We've had some very good guests recently and there's been some really popular episodes. Uh, For example, Adrian Roper from Axis Foils, the founder and designer for them, Army Armstrong from Armstrong, Oscar Johansson, there's been some good ones, so go and check those out. This week we have got Keith Tabool of KT Surfing or KT Foiling. Most of you would consider Katie Foiling to be most notable for the uh, introduction of the Ginzu uh, feature, the stepped hull that's featured on one of their wing boards, as well as their new downwind dragonfly board, uh, which we talk about in this episode. Uh, But Keith's got a great history in in a whole span of water sports, both as a shaper and a rider. Uh, So we'll get into that amongst many other things. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's Tabool. Tabool. That's yeah. a very cool name all in all, oh, you know. Thank you. It where, has where's it from? It has like uh, Middle Eastern roots actually from Algeria. Wow. Yeah, I have a lot of family. I'm actually half French. My dad was French Algerian and um my mom is American and um I grew up in Madagascar. I was born in Madagascar. That's seriously cool. Yeah, I lived there yeah, I lived there ten years. And then after that, I moved to the Caribbean for a couple years. That's kind of where I got into windsurfing and water sports. Went to high school in San Diego and got into surfing. Kept windsurfing and was into surfing. And um, pretty much straight out of high school, I barely made it out of high school. And I was supposed to move to Santa Cruz and go to you know junior college and try and, I don't know, make something happen. And um, I'd been going to Baja regularly because San Diego is close to the border and all that. And um, I took a last trip down to Baja, met a guy from Maui. He offered me a job doing construction, and my whole life just shifted a different direction. Moved to Maui and started doing construction for a couple of years. Um, Then I started working for high-tech surf sports over here. And, you know, in the windsurfing industry, doing all the buying for uh, surf and skate. Um, I mean, this is just a quick rundown. And then basically after about six to eight years, made some good friends with Sean Ordinez, Francisco Goya, and uh, Jason Pryor. We started our company, Quattro, a windsurfing company together. Um, and then I started learning how to build boards um, and then basically learn how to shape on my own with some tips from Sean and different people. But actually originally sure. in, in high school – uh, after school every day, I'd go and watch uh, a local shaper. His name's Joe Blair in, in, in San Diego area, Solana Beach. I'd watch him shape every day, and uh, I think that's where I got the 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 bug. Before we get stuck into yeah. that, as, as, Freddie, as Freddie says, we, we like to go off tangent. Do you remember much about that time growing up in Madagascar? You know, I do. It was, it's, it was amazing. You know, the freedom to kind of do whatever we wanted to do. There's no rules. You know, it's more like if you mess up, you're going to pay for it. So it's just like a real free, um, not that we messed up or anything, but I mean, you can go camping anywhere. There's no rules or anything. It's, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere. So you're really self-reliant and um, very free and beautiful. And uh, a lot of uh, a lot of camping, a lot of, you know, traveling around the country. And um, I, there was no all, all I did was body surf at that time. There was no inclination that I would get into surfing or anything. But um, great place to grow up. Is that where your parents met then? Yeah. What? So no. there must have been a lot of driving around, or not driving around, traveling around at that point. What? What was the reason behind it? 
Well, my parents, my dad was a dentist and he worked for the missionaries in Madagascar. And so they would help a lot of the villages all over the South. And so there was a lot of that. And then, you know, anytime we had a vacation, we would go to different areas and, and camp and just hang out and have a good time. Yeah, That's really, cool. really cool. Where did you move to in the Caribbean? I was in Guadeloupe. Um, for two ah, years. They're meant yeah. to be very beautiful. It is. And that's where I learned to windsurf and kind of got into the water sports or, you know, windsurfing being in the water activity. So this is this is uh, the thing that is, is probably well worth mentioning to you, Keith. Yeah. Liam and I are, bo- are both kite surfers. Cool. Uh, we've never dabbled in windsurfing at all. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. <laughs> all right, okay. So he's, he's, he's probably played around a little bit on some how many litre boards, 300 litre big boards. Yeah. Uh, but neither of us are windsurfers. Uh, I worked for a windsurf shop many years ago, so I know the name. And, you know, this is so embarrassing because we know the names. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned Francisco Goyer, and I, I know the brands, obviously, and I know your name, but but we don't know any heritage. And I know it's, you know, for the, anyone, you know, I deal with some windsurf shops for work, and I know uh, when your name comes up and certain names come up, the windsurfer's eyes, like, yeah, yeah, blow for up sure. a little bit. Yeah, in the, and, in the- and, and I sit And I sit there, and I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, in the windsurfing industry, it's definitely – we've been a big part of uh, the evolution of windsurfing. And um, as a brand, Quattro brought in the, you know, the twin fin and the quad into windsurfing, or I would say maybe back into windsurfing. And it's really shaped where boards and design and, and, and so on has gone. So I feel real proud to be a part of that shift along with the riders. Obviously the riders are really important to, to guide and help us move along. But yeah, you know, Quattro and Goya, um, I, I think people, it's important that people understand that there is a heritage there and that's what we brought and put into KT and that there's an association, you know, between the brands. So that, that's one thing I would love to delve into more. I hadn't realized already you've said that Quattro started first. Yes. With Francis, Francisco as well. So where did, where did the reason for Goya uh, well, start I guess there? Originally, Quattro started, and it was the four of us, but Francisco was working with Fanatic at the time. So he was kind of just like a silent partner. He would get boards, you know, painted up as Fanatic and um, had like, you know, would help the business in, in, in the ways that he could. But he was a paid athlete, he, you know, winning world title, um, really focused on that. So he was focusing on that, and we were focusing on Quattro and building that up. And then, you know, after some time, we really realized that four partners and, you know, we don't all, you know, it's hard to find people that you get along with all the time in the business, especially. So basically what we did is uh, Francisco's brother Lalo stepped in with us, started running the business, and we bought uh, Sean Ordinez and Jason Pryor. We bought them out of the business. And then that kind of allowed us the freedom to, to, to go in the direction we wanted to go and let them do what they needed to do. And at that point, I think Francisco had a choice to either, you know, stick with Fanatic or move to his own thing. And, and he, he realized he wanted to, you know, work way harder and make less money and do his own thing for a while. <laughs> so, so it was good. And, you know, ever since then, we've had Quattro uh, Goya and Goya does sales and boards. Quattro just does boards. Um, 
and and so we've just been developing the business like that and then you know along the way me and lalo and francisco have always been into surfing it's been a big part of our lives so it was natural for us to to start kt as a surf brand um and you know that's where the kt the kt uh, branding for all the foiling side of things came in you know i mean originally i i I mean, I started making boards for Kai Lenny when foiling first started. I, you know, if you look uh, at so Kai's... How many, how many minutes in? We're in seven who's, minutes in. Who's yeah. Kai? Who, who's Kai Lenny? Kai? You, <laughs> you don't know Kai. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we, we've been part of foiling with him since he first started making boards, you know, um, or started the foiling trend, and I'm so thankful that he did. You know, it's like I'm what still a- curious um, about that. The previous before before we get into this, whoever this new guy is, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, Quattro Goya. Where, where's Quattro now then? Because I know, I, has it been pushed more towards sup, or am I just not seeing the? Is there still no, a lot of windsurfing producer? Still, yeah, it's still a ton of windsurf. I mean, that's our core. Is you know, with Quattro, it's windsurfing, and then we do the sup. Um, you know, what happened is our Lalo. Francisco's brother, he moved to Spain about 12 years ago and started doing our distribution in Spain. Um, he's since moved back, but we have uh, warehouses in Tarifa. We have warehouses and offices in Tarifa. And so he set that all up through the last 12 years. And um, I guess what I'm getting at is we really realize that when you come to a shop with a product, it's nice to have a bit of a range. And so, you know, when SUP was big, we, we delved in it and We've since continued, and a lot of brands have stopped this up um, because the market's definitely challenging. Um, but we continued on, and then, you know, working with Kyle, Lenny, obviously, he's really into SUP, so we have a little crossover there. But I guess what I'm getting at is when you come to a shop, it's ni- nice to have a broad variety of products to offer a shop. It makes them easier to work with you. So with with Quattro, we've stuck with windsurfing and then the SUP. And then with Goya, it's all windsurfing sales and the hard goods like booms and masts and harnesses and and so on how did the um personal sort of at at the beginning when there was the four of you and then you know the two of you bought the other two out yeah was was that planned from the beginning or is that something that the tension of running the business affected like how did the relationship change during those different periods well i think that um you know it wasn't the plan to to buy anybody out. I think when we started it, you know, we didn't really have a plan. You have these ideas that you're going to go to, to Cobra or wherever, produce 15,000 boards, sell them, and then you're you know going to be making money and it's easy, but it's not fucking easy. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. And, you know, you, you realize and everybody has their opinion and it's um, some are stronger than others. And, and so it just made sense at that time to you know, to, to, to kind of separate our own ways. Sean is very opinionated about how he likes things and, and he works really well on his own. And so I think that was a really good, a good thing for him, at least from my perspective. Was that um, like a weight off the shoulders then when that, when for the, sure. When... Yeah. Yeah. And then Jason Pryor, he's, he's really kind of happy go lucky and pretty smart about seeing the world and the realities. And he was just like, you know what, I'm holding you guys back, you know, let's just move on. And so, it, what are it, those guys? What are they doing now? Um, Sean still shapes. He's an amazing shaper. He's just down the hall from us, and um, he does foil boards. He does surfboards. 
um, you know, all sorts of crafts. So he's still in the industry doing his thing. He works a lot with Lyft. He does a lot of their uh, okay. SOS shapes. He does a lot of their uh, production boards and so on. And then Jason Pryor, he's, he's a plasterer and he's really good at it and does really well on island here. Wow. Yeah. I bet there's some little yeah. trades like that on the islands where oh, you can earn a fortune, eh? Full on, especially... If you're the known dude. Well, that and also if you just show up. Because <laughs> there's, <a, laughs> there's definitely definitely a mentality of Hawaiian laid-back style, you know, so... <laughs> what, um, what island are you on? We're on Maui. So how's everything going on at the moment? You know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, uh, we're kind of in a little bubble over here on the North shore. So, you know, we're very close and every day you hear about different families who either lost everything or, you know, have lost loved ones. So it's challenging. It's hard. Um, but the communities really come together and everybody's kind of doing what they can in their own way, whether it's us giving some boards or, you know, some financial support or, you know, we're, we're going to donate a container so they can, you know, store foods. And, but, you know, now the, the, the government's much more involved now. And so I think it's just everybody, it's just really setting in now. And everybody's really kind of like, whoa, this is way heavier than, you know, expected. But again, it's we're pretty crazy to see yeah, the difference. It's from, crazy. From, even from two weeks ago, you know, we were all chatting about the Molokai and, yeah, Everyone and now super happy and, and really excited, and then literally a week later, it's boom. It's the complete opposite. I know, um, and it's going to be a long road. And I mean, you know, our business here is there's barely anybody walking in now. Um, so you know, it, it, times will be a little bit challenging for sure. Luckily for us, we don't rely on the local business to survive. You know, we we have a worldwide distribution, and um, so that is really going to help us to kind of make it through in general, the industry right now is pretty tough. Fucked. Yeah. Fucked. I wasn't going to say it, but it's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, we can get into that if you want, but <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's fucking go. Why <laughs> okay. is it? Why is it? Cause I'm, I'm never too sure if I'm allowed to go and tell people. Well, I mean, this is my opinion from my perspective. So I have no, you know, I'm, I'm not the authority. It's just from my perspective. I think with well, but co- from the from this podcast onwards, you are going to be the oh uh, great. The, this is this is you. This is you putting it on paper now. <laughs> no, I think with with COVID, it was a kind of like a perfect storm. Um, in the beginning, everybody was super scared to like produce, so everything stopped for about three or four months, and then everybody realized people were buying tons of stuff, and I think it's the same across every industry. Tons of stuff. So all of a sudden, all the different brands, including us, were like, holy shit, we got to produce. Let's make boards. We're, you know, selling. It's going nuts. This is amazing. And so there was a glut of orders with all the factories. Um, The factories weren't able to produce in time and were behind and were taking on more business than they could could produce. Um, And then finally, they're able to catch up. And for whatever reason, you know, the lack of staff, there's no blame or anything. It's just kind of what happened. Um, and then basically then, then you're able to produce and then you've produced all this stuff. And then you hit a time when everybody has a lot of product and then that product, where is it going to go? You know, you have it sitting in a warehouse or wherever it's going to go on the market and it goes on the market for cheaper. 
And so you have all this product on the market that's cheap and it's just full. Shops are full, you know, it's just, it's challenging. I mean, luckily for us, Backing we didn't, up the network. yeah, luckily for us, we didn't overproduce. Um, you know, we definitely have some, some stock, but it's current and we're working hard to, to sell it. We're not, you know, trying to devaluate it, selling it for less, um, you know, working tough, hard. Tough, tough it time, is. isn't it? It is. I mean, that's my there perspective. And, uh, you know, no one's to blame. Everybody works their business the way they work it. And, um, it's easy to point fingers and blame, but, you know, it's just we're all in this and we're trying to make it through. We're, 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 in, it, we're, we're in it now. Yeah. Exactly. I'm curious yeah. to know if there's any recreation activities that have not suffered a, 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 a reversal, shall we say, a post-COVID reversal. That's a good question. Because ultimately, you know, it is it is laughable. I, I made this. I might have been on this one of the podcast episodes, or I might have been just chatting with Freddie. It's ironic that we've gone through the first pandemic of multiple generations, and the reality for most of the majority of the population, and this is largely the middle classes, but with the way most of the governments set up their systems, we went through a pandemic, and everybody had more time and more money. Yeah, I know, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, so I, yeah. There's got to be is. some bounce back from it all. Yeah, yeah, you would hope. You know, you would hope. But I, I don't think I know any industry that wasn't affected in, in a They in all a boomed, and now yeah. they all seem to be suffering. But yeah. I wonder whether, you know, what well, I'm trying to think of business-related activities. Perhaps golf is still going strong because yeah. it's so tightly associated with business. Maybe. Well, uh, snow, snowboard, we, the ski and snowboard, we, um, I was chatting to my colleague Tom here, and we were both saying that it's had none of the perks. Really? Yeah. That, that water sports has. I wonder or why. Here especially. Maybe I mean, because... I, I, the, saying that, they did... There was, there was a lot of splitboarding stuff, but then the, the factories couldn't produce anyway, so I know everyone sold out. But it's had a lot of the negatives because nobody could, especially on our island, nobody could get away and actually go well, and do Well, I think that, that's the difference probably, you know, that, mm. that that didn't open up for a while. So we're, here in Maui, we are completely free to do what we wanted. As far as water-related and all, there wasn't like you couldn't go to the beach or... Did they try to or not? Um, for a, Did they try to close little, things down? For a little minute they tried, but then basically it was just like you have to stay away from each other on the beach and you have to be actively going in the water and you can't sit on the beach. But yeah, in the I, end, I you can know, just imagine that, them trying to tell. Yeah. I mean, I think at one time I saw a policeman walking down the beach in his you know outfit and like gave a ticket, but that was one time. And then I think after that it was pretty much... They realize it's a pretty it good pretty way useless. to make yourself an unpopular individual in a very oh, small community. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, right, we, should probably, we should probably talk about some boards then, I suppose. Probably. Am I ready for that? You ready for that, Freddie? <laughs> I don't know yet. No worries. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still curious. I'm, st I'm still curious about the history is the main thing, and I'm or not so much the history, but how how the network is set up. So, KT Quattro Goya MFC. Yeah. Do you shape? Do you shape all the boards? Who sh who shapes the boards for each company? I do. I shape all the boards for um, all the companies. I do have someone that works with me. His name's Adam. <laughs> is that not? Is that not fucking mental? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's that's crazy. A lot, that's a lot of boards. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the reason that you know people like you know I'm bringing up Kai again. But I think that's part of the reason he works with us is because I do do a lot of different craft and. Um, over the years, I've been able to 
just kind of hone in on each one and it's 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 different you know but it's difficult but i do work with a, a he's shapes with me his name's adam lewis and so he's really starting to step in and help me a lot um you must be that, in a shaping bay on, on a lot of your time you know honestly i'm more behind the computer designing and i do shape but that's probably only 30 percent of my time now the rest is designing and, and doing other things whereas adam is in the bay probably 80 percent of the time so basically, I do the designs. They get cut on the machines, and we work together to fine tune the shapes. Finish. Yeah, he's the, he's the lucky. Yeah, he's the lucky. But actually, I, I just got crap this morning because a board that I shaped that one of the guys was going to build my my laminator. He like he basically like sent it back because it was so off. And I'm like, okay, I guess you should keep shaping the Adam. <laughs> I was laughing. They were giving me shit. I'm like, okay. Maybe what was, was wrong rushed. with it? Don't tell me it was uh, pretty asymmetrical. Only well, turns left. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the tail, the tail bevel was a little off. It was a downwind, you know, uh, downwind sup board, and the tail was a little off, and one of the, I don't know, the bottom was a little off or something. So. 20, 20 years ago, someone would have got sacked for doing that, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I rely, on, wrong, right? I rely on all my guys to fix the problems, so. <laughs> how, um, how do you differentiate, then, between the... Goya and the Quattro windsurf stuff. Is there yeah. a certain style for each brand? Yeah, I think I think Goya is more known to be, you know, like a fast board, um, stable, easy to access, yet still pretty radical. Whereas the the Quattros are kind of known to be a little bit turnier, maybe not quite as fast as a board. But there's there's a niche for both. But even this morning, I was thinking about it on the way to work, and I was just thinking maybe at some point, you know, we would kind of bring the brands together i'm not sure it's a lot of work and you know the industries are are i mean foiling's growing windsurfing is is staying steady maybe shrinking a little bit so you know at some point you know the resources are are there's not as much resources to do what you, what we love to do so you have to make choices about um you know financial choices or choices that make more sense for for the industry and not overproducing and, and, and so on. So I'd like to see the way we do the R and D and the way that we connect with the factories in Asia become a little more seamless. I think there's a bit of a disconnect there and I would like to see that process a little easier and cost less. How, so, so how does that work at the moment then? And how, how well, basically we do a lot of, prototypes here of boards and we test them test them and then when we find something we like we take that board and we make a mold um you know at cobra because we work with cobra um you know but there's there's a cost in, sh in shipping it there's a cost in making the board then that board is just basically sitting there for four years after so you know there's, there's a lot to work on in the system that i think we can make a lot better how it's going to work i don't know yet but that's where i'd like to put some focus Interesting. So yeah. you make a mold because, for the boards? Well, for the windsurf boards, we do. For the foil boards, we don't. Foil boards are um, are machine-shaped, finished, and then vacuum-lammed. How, so how, for us, how, how, do the, how do the windsurfing boards get done then? They get they basically they make a mold, um, and then you know they put all the sandwich materials inside the mold and press it, and then the board comes out of the mold and it's 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 fine-shaped. And then it gets vacuum lambed after that. So basically, you're creating like a, 
uh, a blank that's already shaped that gets laminated and then finished. Interesting. So why yeah. why would what's the I guess what's the advantage to that process and why is that not done with the foiling boards? Well, because with foiling, foiling is evolving so quickly that you, I mean, we still commit to a two-year cycle with our boards because we don't believe in like trying to change every year. It's so much work and it's a waste of money. And I think the board also devalues for the customer. So they're not, you know, the resale value is less. So we really try and go with a two-year cycle. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is molds commit you to a much bigger cost and commit you to a shape for longer. Whereas with the, the CNC shapes, you can, you can evolve quicker, even though we keep our shapes for two years, putting it in productions quicker. Um, you can update things quicker and there's less outlay of money on our end in doing, um, you know, like plugs that you have to send. So for example, I'm going to go to Cobra in three weeks and I'm going to send them, I'm sending them, I think about 70 new files between surfboards and foil boards. And I'll go there and I'll have them, they'll have already cut, let's say like one small one, one medium one, and then one large one in, in say a downwind foil line that we're doing. And then I'll go and I'll look at them and I'll shape them and tune them up and then make any changes I need to the files. And then those, Files are just used to cut the boards, um, so it's a much quicker. Why would you quicker, need to change the file? Because the outcome of their CNC machine is slightly different for yours on the same file. Yeah, it always is. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's different. You know, it's not better or worse. Better or worse. It's just. It's just. Yeah. I mean, we don't have the exact same machine, and and it's very close. And I've gotten much better at knowing what I'm going to get from them. So, but that's it, really it's kinda, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of nice make because sense to me. I mean, you'd you'd think that you'd think that you'd have a calibrated machine and that one unit is one millimeter and that it's a you know it's a cutting path. It should come out the same. I mean, you would think so, but you know the way they cut their boards is let's say with a big disc, whereas I use a router. You know, right. it's a router. You know, so that it, it pulls and pushes on the on the foam a bit differently. Um, so. Again, it's not like it's a huge difference, but there's little things and you learn to sort of adjust to make it easier so that when the guys do shape the boards there, that there's less room for error. So it's just, it's really easy, you know? So you get the so round the, rail or you get the edge or whatever it is you're looking for. So the majority of those windsurf boards, they're full PVC sandwich. Yes. So it's literally just the core, you know, glass, PVC shoved in there. That's all that's going in there. And then it's laminated afterwards. Yeah. So back to that. I appreciate that, you know, I can see how that would slow you down. There's a cost to that and everything. But the advantage to that is that just shape control and consistency? Or are there other advantages to that process as well? Do you get like a better lamination for the PVC sandwich or? For the molded board, you're saying? Yeah. What is I the think advantage? That- the advantage is that you can build a lighter, uh, a, you can use lighter foams on the inside by putting PVC around it. And windsurfing boards, you need that because you're jumping. There's, there's, there's stronger parameters. I mean, we're starting to get there with the foil boards. But, um, and so with windsurfing, it's the only way you can do it to create a light enough board for what those things go through. 
With foiling, unless the guys are jumping, you can create a board that's still relatively strong, but a good weight by using, and it's just a simpler method of building, um, you know, by just having a shaped blank with different reinforcements and, you know, a, a carbon lamination, let's say, vacuum lamp. Um, what was I going to say? I forget now. <laughs> Those those molded boards, presumably that that PVC wrap is that a full wrap all the way around the rails as well? It is, which is why and and does that yeah. is that same construction methodology used on any of the foiling products that are vacuum laminated? Because I would assume it's quite hard to do a full wrap, whereas it's super easy to just do your, you know, yeah. Your top well, deck. the the only board that we do that way is the Ginsu, which is that that bottom cut that we do um yeah and the reason we do that is because we did have to build the board stronger um because of that you know break point and so um so yeah so for that board that board ends up being built in a mold and um we learned a lot with that whole process you know i can't that say was, that, that was sorry i can't i can't say that it's been the most successful thing for us but we learned a lot and you know, we've continued on with the concept and we have a patent on it and it's very cool. I think the way we came in and presented it and then the timing, um, we are a little off on all that. And so it's been successful enough, but I don't think it's as successful as it could have been. And I think that we've learned a lot from it and, and um, a good experience to go through. That's a nice segue the- to end up. Yeah, Sorry, to end up talking about that, it's, it's a good segue because that's obviously uh, the main talking point behind the KT brand, I reckon, over over here especially. And, yeah, and yeah probably, definitely. Probably Europe. worldwide anyway. That's what the um, KT brand is most recognized for over yeah, here, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it was, for, it was definitely one of the technical questions on my list in terms of cool. how you managed that stress concentration, basically. Yeah. You know, it's like the, one, of the, one of the first bits of advice that I was given um laminating a board was when putting in your reinforcements and everything you know like don't have any straight edges don't go from one major stiffness to another along a straight edge because that is for sure where your, your folding is going and everything and that design inherently creates that weakness and that, that sharp edge must also make the the lamination quite labor intensive and everything so yeah i think the whole thing is a pain in the butt and um <laughs> I, I just i don't i don't know that the foiling world was quite ready for the design you know to be honest it works well it has its its positives it has its negatives i don't want or positive negatives talk, things talk that us through it from the horse's mouth you're, yeah, you're coming across as our favorite kind of guest which is straight <laughs> talking so yeah you know let's let's hear where did the concept come from and well, what were you aiming for? Yeah, originally Elliot LeBeau came to me with this idea and, and I was like, sure, why not? Let's try it, you know, put this cut, you know. And his main thing was he wanted to be closer to the foil to be, a, to be able to feel the foil more and be more connected. So, you know, we did it. And then basically the first time I, I rode the board, I realized that there was this liftoff characteristic that was quicker, you know, detached from the, the water more quickly. And so it was like, oh, wow, light bulb moment. And um, so we just kept developing it. And then, you know, Kai jumped on it and he really liked it. And, you know, a bunch of the team were using it. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a time that foiling is evolving really quickly. And, and um, you know, it's pretty cool to just come in with something completely different that feels different. And um, um, 
so we just, you know, kept developing it and tried to keep it under wraps and um, learned a lot through the whole process. And, and I think that the benefits are that you do feel the foil, you feel more close to the foil because obviously you are. It does disconnect from the water more quickly. Um, we realized too that it takes a bit of getting used to because the balance is different. And so sometimes that scares people. And because of the, the, the parameters of the, of the smaller sizes have an easier time breaking, we had to build them pretty strong. So that was one thing that happened that the boards got a bit heavy, which is a bummer, but you don't really feel it that much when you're riding. But if someone walks in and picks up a board, they might be like, Oh, this feels kind of heavy. So it's, you know, I find that, that, that you have that with quite a few different brands up. I always find it quite strange. Oh, this board's too heavy. Yeah. What the fuck's it going to matter when you're on the water? Well, that, the only uh, thing that's going to matter is when you're, when you're carrying it down the beach. Yeah. Well that, and also it's like, you know, we've made this, this dragonfly, this downwind board and it's light, you know? And it's like, well, this is a freaking Porsche, you know? Yeah. If you, if you bang it against the railing, it's going to ding. You want it light or do you want it strong? It's like, I think people need to realize too that there's there's certain parameters that we go through to, with these products that it's it's a difficult line to I think everybody has these super high expectations of a super light super strong board and it's like but they don't want to pay for it They're like okay well <laughs> it's finding that balance yeah. that must be so difficult from a commercial perspective making it durable enough like it is you know I and and when you think about it if if you have if you have no sort of a and it's not even mechanical appreciation is it just appreciation for the delicacy of a material or you i think surfers are inherently used to being careful with their boards they know boards ding easily that's just a yeah, known thing they but dent. when yeah but when you get like i i when i was teaching before and you'd sell people like wing packages or something and then you'd see their equipment within three weeks and like you know they'll just get the foil out the car rip the covers off and just sort of like drop it down as though it was a tennis racket on the asphalt yeah. car park yeah and then within three weeks the foil just looks like somebody's been throwing rocks at it yeah, and, yeah, yeah for sure and, and, and annoyingly the manufacturers sort of have to account for that and make sure and that it doesn't it. break too easy because that will how most people will treat their gear yeah yeah for sure but it, it in another way it's cool because it's just definitely challenging us to get creative with our layups because it's always a cost to weight to strength you know formula for us you're trying to make a product that's performance that sits in a range of like where the industry is sitting and yet that you can have your your chain of like a distributor and then a shop and you know, we've been really supportive of shops and working with shops and, you know, not selling direct and um, trying to really promote shops and have people go to a shop to be helped because we feel like it's really important, that connection. And, you know, if someone calls us, we, we refer them to the shop in their area. And then, you know, if they can't find what they need, then, you know, we'll find another way. But you know, it's been important to, to, for us to keep that chain and keep consistent and really stand behind what we do. So before we move off that, that whole Ginzu concept, yeah. do, you, do you see that as a feature that will remain certainly in the... I'm assuming you think it's most appropriate for winging. 
Because, I mean, yeah. you, 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 so do you think that will remain a feature of wing boards from KT Foiling going forward? Or do you see it as another option with a different feel, more like a different style? Like how, hmm. you see what I'm well, saying? Well, I guess, you know, I mean, the way I look at it and how we've structured our new line is basically we're going to have a wing drifter, which is our just basic winging board. It's a, a simple shape, but really effective and stable and easy and really easy to access. And that, that's going to be our, our go-to line because it's the most simple to build. It's going to be the most cost-effective and most accessible, yet performant. So we're always going to have that because that's our base. I think in the past, we've always come into the market with pretty high-end products. Um, and we're realizing that we really you know, need to cover that base and then have these other special things that you can get. So apart from the wing drifter, which is winging, and um, once you go into the smaller sizes, you could prone them as well. And then we'll have a dedicated Ginsu winging prone line, which won't be as broad. You know, we'll go up to, say, 105 liters and go down to 28 liters. We won't have as many sizes. The, I think what you have to realize with the Ginsu is it's more complicated to build, so it's more expensive. So um, but I guess that's my question is that yeah. if, if money is no object, are you 100% putting your recommendation behind that concept? I am, especially as we develop it, because it's just going to get easier and easier. You know, it's going to get more performance. We're realizing, you know, maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be as long the step or whatever's coming out. We're, it's evolving. It's an evolving design. But the, the benefits are there. You know, and I think it, 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 it there's something valid to it. So yeah, we're sticking by it. And for the downwind boards, it's it's a huge part of the downwind boards, which is probably our number one most selling board right now. And for me as a foiler, it's to me it's the best discipline. And I surf, you know, I surf epic waves, and it's the best discipline out of all of them. <laughs> that that is. That's big yeah, to hear it that. Is. It's pretty because we're not negative about it, yeah. I would say, but there's definitely a tre trepidation behind it in as, our as there should be in our it's, areas. Yeah, it's not easy, but it's not hard either. <laughs> and a lot of brands are putting a lot of effort into making the boards easier, including myself. And so, you know, about two months ago in Maui, there's no waves in the summer. Um, you know, I'm not really into like mowing the lawn on the wing. And the downwind with the wing is fun, but I was like, okay, I got to get into this. And, you know, yeah, like I struggled the first three times. But, you know, once you get that feeling of being up and riding a swell, it's like basically it's a half an hour long wave that you turn as hard as surfing and you're floating there. And it's, it's amazing. It really is. You know, and, and um, it's like this endless field. You're not battling another person for a wave, yet you're turning like you're surfing. And as you get better, it just gets more and more like surfing. Um, it's amazing training, the cardio, the legs. the so. But our zone is prime for it. So, you know, it's, that's, that's another aspect. I'd just, yeah, like, that's, to, that's um, I'd just like to add in there, Freddie, that bear in mind who we're speaking to, and there was still three sessions which sucked so oh, imagine easy. how many sessions no, no, and, and, suck you know, and, <laughs> and i went like let's say four times ago i went out and it was 
I went on my own. I got up in like two minutes. You know, I, I went down a couple times on the way, but I got right back up. It was fucking epic. The next day I went back out and I moved my foil a half an inch back because I thought it'd be better. I didn't get up for half an hour. And, I, and then I got up for five minutes and I was at where I needed to go. So it, it's still a struggle. But all this struggle is helping me to make the boards better so that when people get into it, it's going to be an easier process. And the evolution and design what just board, in the two months has been amazing. What board are you using? What size? What literage? So I, I started on 135 for the first time just to get my balance. And I actually got up. What's important when you use a big board is that you have a big enough foil, you know, to support the size of the board more than anything. Um, and then I didn't have a big enough foil. So my whole learning process has been a lot harder. So I was use, I've been using like basically an 1100. Um, and normally you should be on like 13 to 14 to learn. Um, I just don't have access to a big foil at the moment. So, you know, so, that's, so that's well, also so you start on a 135 have you dropped down to something else now or are you yeah. still on that one no and then i dropped down like after three times i went to 100 liters and i weigh 74 kilos and that right away when i jumped down the foil size was more proper for the board and i got up and i foiled for 10 minutes um still a struggle getting up but you know when i was up i was like oh, okay i'm getting it now so okay. board size over here is obviously a yeah, I mean, the whole conversation is we're talking about it. We keep having conversations about it with different people. We, we still have neither of us had a go on it as yet. We're so, we are getting kit slowly. Yeah. But it is just, yeah, we're not we're not too sure about it. There's definitely well, a few people doing it. I think that you're going to... Especially where well, Liam yeah. and I are position-orientated. It's, it's location, sorry, oriented. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, location is really going to dictate whether it's good. But as it evolves, it's going to get more efficient foils are getting better and um so it's just going to get easier easier and better and better and it really is yeah. it really is wide open and, and speed the the g's everything it's it's amazing well i think just on another note with this and you can go on to next stuff but the i think the downwind boards are are at least for us it's really affecting the design of everything it's we really realize that you know, how efficient they are and how good for light wind winging they are. Um, and so it's, it's really for us kind of shaping the, the new lines that we're doing. So it's pretty cool. It's Liam here from the editing booth, otherwise known as my lounge. Uh, the call with Keith did get cut off for a little second, uh, so we lost a tiny bit of the recording. So just for reference, when we jump back into it and the guys are talking about Elliot, uh, they're referring to Elliot LeBeau from ACL Productions. Right, let's get back in. Enjoy. You were asking yeah, about Elliot there, Freddie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he jumped in. Elliot jumped in. I mean, it's been years now. It started with winging because there wasn't downwind at that time. And so I was just evolving the winging boards and getting a lot of feedback from him, which is great because he was really good. And then he started getting into downwind. I'd say it's been a couple of years now, and, and that's all he does is downwind foiling. Um, and so he's slowly came in with ideas and feedback, and I hadn't gotten into it yet, so I was really relying on all of this with him and then also Casey Hauser, another one of our team guys. He was really into it, and he's just like, you got to do this. It's amazing. And I was like, ah, whatever. It looks freaking hard. I'm like, you know, and so I just – and I figured oh, well, I'll, I'll evolve the boards, you know, get the feedback. And then maybe when it's a little easier, I can try it. And that's kind of what happened. 
So, but I mean, Elliot's riding like a nine four that's seventeen wide, and it's you know one hundred and fifteen liters, and he likes to just really cruise. So, <laughs> I was um I was curious. Oh, you, you might be able to help us understand it, but the the Molokai race. Yeah, there was there was some uh, rumors that guys were riding like super long nine foot boards, um, going more custom maybe than than the likes of what's in production is it is that true is it is that just a, a well i mean, I've heard no, I, made, I made kai four different boards um and started at like seven four seven six and then as he was riding him and realizing kind of the parameters of the race um he i made him a couple new eight o's with some different features to kind of take into consideration the end of the race where you had to paddle and there was no you know, like either paddle down on your belly or, you know, to, to end it. Um, so what I made was around eight feet. And then, you know, Kane, Kane DeWild, we started working with him um, as we're going to develop foils and just develop the wing boards and, and so on. He's a great, he's a great asset to the team. So, yeah, I made him an 8.0 as well that was 105 liters. Kai's were about 100 liters. Um, and I know both of them, I think, especially Kai, he struggled in the beginning of the race because he had too small of a foil. And so it actually took him a minute to, I don't know how long, to get up. Once he was up, he was kind of last, but ended up, you know, making it past a lot of people. But um, It was mental to, to, I mentioned it on another pod. Well, we talked to Oscar a little while ago, like literally just after the event. Yeah. Um, and we were pretty, we were pretty bummed because we'd, uh, we'd been meaning to talk to him for a long, long time. And uh, I was watching the race live and thinking, holy fuck, we've organized the event, the talk with him on Tuesday. And at one point, he was about to win this race. And I was like, holy shit, we're yeah. going like, to have timed this incredibly well. But unfortunately, fucking lost to me. So yeah. it, uh, and I think it what, didn't work. But it was mental to watch Kai come yeah. from where he was. Because yeah. I, 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 I was like, how the, how the hell is he so far back? And then within two seconds, you're like, how in God's name is he just... Yeah, he, he was riding people. a very fast foil, and that's what helped him. And he's so talented, you know. But I guess what, what won the race was basically a steady, steady, steady speed, you know, easy up, steady speed the whole way, and then, you know, making it at the end. So good on James Casey, yeah. The old hare and the nah. tortoise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think well, that those cases certainly no tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> totally. This is, um, you know, I think it was a good race, and I think next year they'll probably change the the departure and where it ends just to make it a, like kind of more more foil friendly, I guess. More foil friendly, but also probably you know things could change a lot right at the end, even you know depending on what happens. So it was a bit of a shame to 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 see all the drama unfold and then see the guys just paddling on their I know. stomachs at the end of the event. Yeah, you're kind of like ah, so yeah. It's but a little bit like signing up for a marathon and then having to do a triathlon, isn't it? Yeah, but at least you know, at least I think they saw that that you know the energy of that race. There was a lot more foilers than anything, so who knows? It might split off, or maybe they'll put more emphasis on it. I don't know. But it, it, it's, it's have you done it? Have you done it before? No, Keith, you, I have never. That doesn't interest me. Oh come on! You're no. training for it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not much of a competitor. So, I mean, you know, when your friend does fly by you because you can't get up out there, it is pretty frustrating. You're like, I want to beat him, but <laughs> it happens. It was all- funny. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Was it 
it was either Oscar or uh, Casey put on Instagram afterwards how much more fun it is out of the race. And even Oscar told us at the time, he was like, it's all, you know, you're all having such a good time out there riding these waves. Yeah. I guess it's whether you want to, do you want to surf when you're downwinding or do you just want to accelerate? Me, I want to surf. It's, it's all about yeah. the surfing. Well, and, and I think most of them yeah. do. Yeah, totally. Even yesterday, exactly I, I was up kind of foiling downwind and then Kane came flying by me and then sort of slowed down with me and we were doing a bunch of turns together. And that's actually the first time that I've actually like been at the same like uh, spot as someone and kind of cruised with them and did a bunch of turns. And then I kind of turned in cause I was going to the beach and he was heading to the Harbor and it was, it was amazing though. You know, you're just, you're hooting and turning and hoping you don't fall. And it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but again, we have the perfect space for it. So, but yeah. I, I think that that, that space or that realm is really going to open up. You know, I, I went with Mickey Schweiger the other day from Nash and he had a foil and basically he got up in about one pump and it's this giant flat thing and he just went, you know, and I think their goal is to have something that they can, you know, be on Lake Garda and doesn't, you know, you, you have enough swell in Lake Garda to make it. So it, it is evolving. Where are you with foils uh, and and well, brands and building your own and yeah. what, what's going on there? Well, we're um, now working with Kane DeWild. He's working with us and he developed a couple wings already. We got our first samples yesterday. He's actually testing them, I think, right now. So we'll see how that goes and, and you know, what, what uh, comes of it. I've been using some of the back stabilizers that he's produced and the one that we're going to put on the foil. Um, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to do, I don't know exactly the program yet, but we'll have a, uh, like a kind of downwind winging oriented one. And then we'll have like a winging surf oriented one with different sizing. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to exciting. It's a, it's a KT foil. So, and I think a lot of this, again, you got to re remember that we have distribution in Tarifa in Spain. So we have offices, warehouses, and, you know, we work with a lot of shops. So it's kind of something we just realize that, that we kind of need to have in the package that we can kind of control. And I don't mean control in a weird way, but just, you know, have access to and develop and that suits our needs and the shops we work with. And so, um, yeah, it's exciting. You know, I've been doing, I've been using a unifoil all, all summer. It's really fun. Um, and you know, just testing some foils here and there and yeah, it's been Which amazing. I'm on the newest one. The what's it called? Progression. Yeah. The progression. So I have a Which ones you generally use? 170 for, for downwind or the, it's like an 1100 or 1090. It's a little small for learning. But you know what? I was like, I'm going to struggle. It's okay. I'll, 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 I'll learn to do it. And now I might be ready for the smaller one. We'll see. I'm close. But I mean, guys like Kane or Kai, you know, they're using like, you know, 800s, 900s for downwinding because they're so good at getting up. It's not really when you're up that the problem, it's the getting up. <laughs> so. It's Liam from the future again here just to save you from some terrible audio that got recorded. Uh, Freddie's just asking Keith about Kai Lenny and his involvement, etc., etc. Kind of a big namer. Yeah, you know, Kai is, well, he's an amazing athlete and he's good in all these disciplines and he's truly good. And he's got a great presence and marketing behind him. 
And I think he appeals to a really broad range of people. And so for the, for the different sponsors that he works with and all, he's very marketable and very approachable and very genuine. Um, and what's his relationship to you and what's his relationship to the brands? Basically, I provide Kai with um, exclusive windsurfing gear. Same with the foiling. Um, he's, he gets a lot of surfboards from me. He gets surfboards from different you know, manufacturers as well. And basically, and you're, you're shaping those. I presume few of those are, are, are stock. Yes. So I basically provide him with all the toys that he needs, um, and you know, at a high level of construction and the ability for him to just come in and and like say, hey, I really like this. Let's work on this or whatever. So that's that's how it works. You know, w- it works well. He gets whatever he needs and access to the factory and building boards and to our feedback and then his feedback he's an amazing feedback for everything we do yeah so i was going to ask about that is you know you get there's there's a there's some riders that are fantastic athletes on the water and there are some riders that are both fantastic athletes on the water but can also translate their experience to you in a communicable manner as someone that's designing the product so is he does that, he come in that second category he 100 percent comes comes in the second category and again i think that's why he chooses to work with us um i mean i'm sure if he wanted to he could ride for any brand and get paid um but i think for him it's more important and that's what he's always said it's more important to him to have access to be able to do all these different kinds of boards at a high level and, you know, product that he, he just wants to ride the best and he's willing. I, to- I've always assumed, I've always assumed that that'd be the case. I mean, he must get enough money out of the likes of Tagger and Red Bull and all the other media yeah, deals yeah. and stuff, whereby the gear, the yeah. gear is a case of use what you want to use, not what's being, what's free or whatever. Well, yeah. that, that was all, that always seemed to be what put across with the- Yeah from Nash wasn't it that was always kind of the idea and I guess that was quite cool that that actually did come through through yeah. whatever marketing of that you know nobody thought he was a douchebag for leaving at all they all yeah um, without without shitting on yeah totally as you should I mean of, it, was, some of the it, was, it was a good stepping stone for him too and you know it's been it's been great for us and it really pushes me as a designer and shaper and I can bounce things off of him or he brings something that he really likes. And so it works well, you know, and, but it keeps me on my toes for sure. <laughs> I bet that's Sorry. good though. Cause one of the questions I was going to ask, it's kind of, you could also just replace his name with, with the whole discipline in general. Like you've spanned multiple different sports in terms of board shaping and design. Yeah. Um, but I'd argue that none of them have come with, so much variation in such a short amount of time you know it's not like it's yeah supping came along and okay there's wave riding and yeah and downwind racing and stuff flat water that's not really a thing is it let's be honest um whereas foiling you know you've got you've got all of the different disciplines that come with it has that provided you with a external spark of energy and and a reinvigoration any more than any of the other sort of sports through the history of your time i would say definitely because it's so open and it's so new and evolving quickly so it's it's fun you know it's 
to, to do the new line that I've been working on in the last couple weeks, um, it took me a minute to get inspired, but now I've suddenly tapped into some good stuff and, and, and I'm inspired and you know, the downwind I have to say has really inspired me. Um, and because of foil shapes and that you're really open to do different things and just kind of think outside the box, I think it's really helped all the different kinds of boards. And as a shaper, I think I was a bit, uh, a bit conservative in certain ways. I'm not sure of things in certain ways, you know, but then foiling came in and, and working with the right people. And that's really helped me to just kind of think outside the box and, you know, look at, look at different surfboard shapers who are pushing the envelope in design or different windsurf shapers or foil board shapers and kind of like it's pushed me to be like, okay, I think we can think outside the box and it's kind of opened my mind a lot. So many it's new very, ideas come. Sorry, Freddie. Just saying how, it, how experimental it is. It seems to be that everyone is trying something wacky. Yeah. 100%. And then, you know, but what I've realized too is, again, I think we came into the, when we, sometimes we come into the industry or like to the market with a bit too complicated of things. And so I've been like this new line, I'm trying to really simplify the line and also make it so that it's easier to build and easier to shape, but yet very performant. So that's been a big key for me and what we're doing. Um, and realizing that maybe sometimes we were doing things to be a little bit different and they were more complicated to build. And so it creates other issues. So just trying to take a little bit of a more simple approach to the line this year. I'm always, uh, this is, this is by nowhere an accusation, but Freddie will know I'm always, um, curious with certain design features that get emphasized heavily in marketing. Yeah whether they are design features that the designer or the brand are really excited about or whether they are something that are exactly that good for marketing good for differentiation yeah good to go look we've got everything else that they've got but we've also got this yeah well i mean um I've... and it seems it seems like that happened a little bit in the sort of i'd say the the second iteration of most of the big brands boards there was a lot of complication and it seems like the the good stuff is being kept moving forward and the crap that was just it's good marketing go is yeah. yeah well i think we will see that but i mean anything that i've brought in um i've truly believed in when we were doing it maybe now you realize okay well we didn't need those double concaves or that much of a bevel and a concave in the bevel or whatever and i'm open to like okay i kind of like that because now building it and then for the guy sanding it there's not this ridge that can get sanded through or so, you know, I'm trying to really look at what's important and what's not. Um, but I think, you know, originally I brought in those double concaves because I was looking at the air chair guys with Kai. And this is, I don't know, eight years ago, I think. And, you know, they're doing all those flips and they had a double concave and that's originally why I did it. And, you know, Kai wrote it and it worked. But then as, as we've been evolving, you can see the guys wing competing and doing all this freestyle and you know how their outlines have changed and so um and then the downwinds really come in and you know i feel like boards are going to get a little longer a little narrower you know within reason but you know there's an evolution that i think is 
now better thought out and, and working more efficiently and trying to get the, the best feeling for people. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. How long before we get, well, to, uh, before we get to that, windsurfing then, windsurf boards, has there been any radical changes in that space in the last five years? Um, I would say f- no. I mean, there's been continuous evolution, but slow incremental. It's, I mean, windsurfing has been around a long time. You know, and for us as a brand, I'm really heavily influenced by surfing. So I'm always trying to keep a nice, turny, wave-oriented feeling board, but, you know, have something that's really fast because people can benefit from that. And it's the same thing in the surfboards is, you know, the surfers are wanting to go faster and turn harder. So it's been a really cool symbiotic relationship with surfing. Um, And then, you know, getting boards to get going fast is something that you can try and bring into foiling. So it's all connected, but in general with windsurfing, it's just been slow incremental changes. I mean, originally we brought back the twin and we, we introduced the quad into windsurfing as a brand. And this is, I don't know, 18 years ago or something. And that really changed windsurfing, you know, and then the thruster came back as well that had already been in. Um, but you know, I, I'm proud to say that as a brand, we brought quads and twins into the windsurfing market and really changed board design. How you, long before we get to that stage with the majority of the foiling disciplines, do you think? As far as what goes like a more steady incremental? Yeah. Um, I think we're headed there. Um, it's a good it's, a, it's an interesting question. But it could change next year. But it could change. Again. Yeah, it could change next year. I mean, there's so many different kinds of people that are involved in designing and foiling. It seems from the foils to the backyard guy. And so I think there's going to be a lot of different kinds of designs out there. Um, but I also think that a lot of these brands that are in existence right now, um, they might have a difficult time in the next couple of years surviving. And then the market will kind of like, I think the market's growing, but the brands will shrink a little bit and kind of, uh, solidify and I really hope so. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of shit. It is. It's just, just too, I mean, I don't want to say it, but there's a lot of really bad stuff out there or whatever bad i don't know but there's just a lot of options that makes it difficult and i mean you know we have riders we have budgets to do this it's you know we put a lot of energy and work into it not that other people don't but um we really yeah design and and innovation and and more and more because we've grown and so now we are able to put budgets towards Let's say we're going to do a new box for our boards or we're going to do a new handle or, you know, we're able to do those kind of things, which I think can really differentiate you. And and people realize that you're actually putting a lot of thought into what you're doing and not just plopping boxes in and popping something out. I tell you what shows a great deal of thought and care from a company is is assigning large quantities of budget to third-party media outlets like the generic foiling podcast <laughs> yeah. that's what i heard that really shows yeah. you know a deep level of care for yeah. our whole industry and sport where do i sign up <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll, su- 
We'll send you the bill. Okay, send sounds good. Bill. Do you think, in terms of us refining the brands that continue to succeed in what we've already established is a relatively tricky couple of years for the market, do you think, I'm not saying to name names, but um, is there like particular sizes of brand that you think will fail, i.e. those that, you I know, think this, is it just the, because the small, there's some from all? Uh, I think the smaller brands are the ones that are going to be challenged. Um, Almost. And do you think, do you think that's just smaller in general or is it just because that COVID boom and the start of foiling and the sort of yeah. the demands outstripping supply at the beginning just allowed these new brands to pop up and you I, think it's that that's gone that's going to... Yeah, I think that that's yeah. going to make it challenging for the smaller brands. But the, the, the ones that are creative, that think outside the box, that, you know, some of them will survive like we did when we were a bit smaller. I'm not saying we're this huge brand, but, you know, we, we have offices in, in Tarifa in Spain. We have a warehouse in Hood River. We have a hood, uh, warehouse in Canada. So, you know, I mean, maybe it's just a garage, but it's still, <laughs> it's still somewhere <laughs> we can put the boards. Um, you know, and it, it takes a lot to to run a business and create connections with shops and people and, you know, the marketing, the websites, the it's, it's, it's a lot to, to manage and keep going and grow. It's a brand we don't, KT is a brand that we don't see too much of in the Southwest of the UK, which I think is a shame. It's one that I'd like to see more. It's getting of. there. No, it's, it's um, just sorry to jump in there, but I mean, distribution of, of the brand has, has changed around in the last couple of years bubble yeah it's one that i keep complaining about that <laughs> every time i walk into a shop now there's fucking kt yeah, boards there everywhere. You go. <laughs> um, that's the goal uh, it is definitely happening there's there's less in the southwest for sure but there's not really that many foiling shops in the southwest yeah. at the same time um yeah i think definitely they are becoming more it's, it's, it's one that i'd like to see more of because you know because you're the products are they have unique features you know yeah quite simply and i i think too this next round that we're doing um i think is is i feel really good about it and um just because of all the connections that we've had happen this year between you know we we've done a really good job with the dragonfly the downwind board and then we brought kane on board and so we're just really bringing the pieces together and it's happened really naturally and that feels right to me. And just everybody involved is, has a lot of energy. And it's, it's um, you know, when we have meetings and communicate about where we're going and all the people involved are, are excited. And that to me is usually a sign that you're doing something good. So. Definitely. So it's exciting for me. And it's nice to feel this energy again and. Um, into something that is growing as a sport, you know, foiling in general is growing. And I just, the potential and what you feel just standing on a foil board, like you're on a magic carpet, it's pretty cool. <laughs> how, um, how is the foil side of things compared to the surf side of things size-wise within KT itself? Uh, foiling is much bigger than surfing. Yeah. I mean, the margins on a foil product are, are much better than margins on surfboards. And as a brand surfing, you know, we've done well. I had a, had a rider on the, on the tour for a year and, you know, I work with some pretty good riders and we get a bit of media, but you know, those brands like Merrick and lost, you know, they're, they're well-established and they do an amazing job and 
Um, so it's a difficult industry to get into. And same thing right now in Europe, it's fucked. <laughs> it's really bad. The, the surf industry is even worse than the, than the, the foiling industry, 100%. It's just very very difficult i mean this isn't this isn't about this is the one bit where it's not a bad thing for me because freddie and i have just booked a surf trip in mid-november and i need a new board there we go and we don't really have many connections in the surf industry let's hit us up versus you know the rest <laughs> of the water sports yeah, yeah so it's a case of well you know if you if, if everybody's struggling to get rid of stock i shall haggle very hard you know what <laughs> if you want to buy a board right now now's the time i think in the next week because quicksilver is just getting bought I think they're selling boards at like 50% off right now. Just on all, no, seriously, on all the brands, Sharp Eye. So check your shops. You might, I mean, I'll definitely hook you up, but. <laughs> what, what, what happened to Quicksilver? Ah, I don't know. I mean, you hear things, but it sounds like they're being bought by the guys that own Louis Vuitton. And from what I was understanding, that they're going to a licensing sort of model and so the u.s will be licensed and then europe will be licensed and all the product that the board rider shop had in house in about a week they're gonna give them pennies on the dollar for it so they're trying to sell as much as they can before but again this is i don't really know so we're gonna get louis vuitton wetsuits yeah like, what was the other brand what was the other designer label that released a bloody wetsuit Wasn't range it? recently i think it was louis vuitton was it there? Yeah, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, or there Chanel some or something. All over Instagram, where some yeah. the rappers were wearing it on oh, that's stage right. or something, weren't they? Must have been sweating their <laughs> balls off. For sure, for sure. I'll have a two mil, yeah. please. No, one point five mil, yeah. specifically for this concert. Yeah, I don't want to lose weight. <laughs> so, what's um, what's your daily schedule then, Keith? What's your agenda for the day? <laughs> Well, usually I wake up and then feed my son, who's five and a half, and then get him to school and then come to the shop and I'll get some files ready for my machinist that cuts boards and then kind of coordinate with Adam on what needs to be finished for today to feed the rest of the factory. Um, and then I'll do some designing. And then basically about 1030, I look out the window and see what's going on. <laughs> you know, I'm really obviously in tune with what the wind's doing and um what the swell's doing right now is downwind season so and um my sander's coming in hopefully he's already sanded two of the boards i want to test today i have a new two new hundred liter downwind boards one's shorter and wider one's a little longer and i tried to make it more stable and i'll go out with adam and we'll test to see what's happening and i have some new do you brand up your test boards and stuff yeah i put the kt on it literally just yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of putting a, a logo on it, and then you know it's simple. Everyone must realize. I mean, over over where, over in Maui, anyway, there can't be very many production boards on the water, are there? With the level of riders and designers you've well, got there, everything's prototype. No, there's a fair few bit. I mean, high tech sells a bit. There's a lot of Armstrong stuff around, actually. And then you know, for the downwind stuff, it's mostly Kalama because he he does a lot of you know puts a lot of effort to it. And you know, thanks to him, he's the one that really pushed this whole scenario. It's really cool, you know, and then I've been able to just basically poach off what he's done, not in the design, <laughs> well, not in the design side of things, but the, you know, the concept longer, narrower, you know, more displacement hall. So, 
you know, he really had a vision and stuck with it. And, and, um, you know, I'm happy for him that, and I think he deserves credit for it because we all, well, it is, it is good that they've been able to actually put a name to a face for a shape or for a, for a product. Like everybody knows Dave Kalama invented. Oh, I would hope so Dave because Curry. he deserves it. You know, he, he's stayed true to what he thought and, and developed it. And then, yeah, we all get to benefit from it. I'm sure it's hard at times that it's happened to me. <laughs> so what um what, what what's your main time on the water then you're obviously frothing on downwinding at the moment yeah but i mean do, do you still windsurf a lot oh, yeah i mean surf? you know the days that it's season dependent yeah the, the day the days that are windy and there's waves i go windsurf every day and then you know if it's surfing i surf my biggest passion is surfing and then you know windsurfing i've done it so long and so much that that I, I pick my days more, but I, I'm still very passionate about it. And then surf, and then you know the downwind is more like a summertime thing. We'll see if this winter I do it a bit. Um, you know, maybe on certain really good days I'll go do it. Um, because it is super fun and it's very good for staying physically fit. That's what puts me off it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, for me, it's good. Then you don't think about the, the like having a workout aspect of it. And just you're so f- it's the one thing that I've done in my life that you're out there and you're fucking swearing. You're just like, <laughs> fucked. <laughs> it's Freddie, does, Freddie does that already with oh, everything. Man, I, do that with, oh. I do that with most sports, but winging, wing, winging has definitely been. Uh, oh, yeah. Then don't start stand up because you're going to be cursing every other word. <laughs> no, no, he might no, end up no. mute. He might lose his voice. Yeah, it's been my challenge fucking... not to swear. At least one round where I don't swear. And I got one yesterday where I swore, but sometimes it's 10 times. I'm ready to fucking take the paddle and whack the board. You're so pissed. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> this is what's so annoying, though, that people are saying quite how good yeah. it is. Yeah, it's also the most infuriating thing. And I was no, but that 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 is precisely why I think that's the that's the draw. To, that's always been the draw to surfing. Surfing's not easy, but the harder something is, the better the reward. Yeah, but with you but know. the downwind, it's a much quicker learning curve than surfing. Surfing takes years and years Thank and God. years. But I mean, no, seriously. I mean, you guys know how to foil. So the minute you're up, it's going to be natural. And you're going to start taking advantage of your time up with no wing in your way going downwind. And you're going to be pumping. We, we found that. with We were saying that with prone foiling, weren't we, Liam? Trying to learn that. We were like, we can foil. We just can't get on the fucking foil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Prone? As soon as we got you know, the push onto a wave, yeah. we were fine. We were okay. Yeah. But it's just that whole but then transition. Else from, just sucked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, there we go. Cool. Have you got any more questions, Liam? No, I very much appreciate your time. I think that's been really interesting. Awesome, yeah, boys. Really good. Thank you. Really, really good. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking yeah, the time with us. I appreciate it. Anything you guys need, just let me know. Well, we'll take a couple of surfboards each. Sounds good. <laughs> just no, seriously. If you if you need anything, just hit up Bubble, and you can get stock from Tarifa or in your in uh, England. But seriously, yeah, I'm much. happy to help out. I'm not looking for any extra love. Just <laughs> so. no, we'll discuss right. that afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> right on, boys. Cool. Hope you have well, a great day. Thanks, you too. Good to meet have you. Have a good one. Right on. Cheers, Keith. Bye. 
If you haven't already given us a rating on whichever platform you're listening from, we hope that goes one step closer to persuading you that we're worth that five-star review. Get on there and do that one now. Uh, keep interacting with us on the social medias. Keep sending us messages and emails and all that stuff. And uh, if you've got guest requests also, both you know, send those to us, tag those people on social media, tag us on their pages, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, until next week, we hope you guys get some good time on the water. Cheers out.